We as Australians are resilient people. We are great people. And we help our neighbour, you know. Those beautiful values of helping each other have stayed with me forever and I hope that I can pass it on to everyone that you know I touch and meet because those are the values that will get us through the, these difficult times and difficult moments. Hello, I'm Andrew May, and this is the NAB Business Fit Podcast, where we chat with experts in a range of fields, delving into their world to find out what fuels them and to learn lessons that can be applied to running a small business, which is especially important right now. We have conversations about how they've adjusted to the new ways of working and share stories about adapting and navigating through challenging times. One of Australia's favourite pastimes has to be real estate. We read about it, we talk about it, some people even dream about it. Today's guest is widely recognised as one of the most influential experts in real estate in Australia. At age 15, Ross Savas walked into a real estate business. He hasn't looked back since. In fact, I don't think he's left the real estate office since. In 2010, he set a record for the sale of Victoria's most expensive residential property. And he once trained himself to survive on two to three hours of sleep a night. I've got so many questions about that. Leader in real estate and leader in building lifelong relationships, Ross Savas, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I'm joined by the effervescent Anna Marinkovic, Executive General Manager of NAB Small Business Bank. Anna, I know we've got lots of our small business owners who are really concerned, interested about real estate and what's happening. So we're going to grill Ross today. We're going to be nice to him, but we're going to really get to the bottom of what Ross thinks is going to happen in the months and the years ahead. Thank you, Andrew. Well, I'm certainly looking forward to today's guest and topic of conversation, given that this is something that touches Australians more profoundly than any other economic issue. Housing market, bricks and mortar, uh, and to have a guest who is probably the most renowned real estate expert in the industry with us is indeed a very special treat. So welcome, Ross Savas. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on your show. And uh, all credit to you, Anna. I mean, you're doing a phenomenal job under very difficult circumstances and uh, you know you're forging ahead you're innovative you're passionate and uh, you're driving that business to new levels and that's what we need we need to be driven to new levels and all power to you thank you Russ. so you've been in real estate for uh, like at the top of your game now for a number of decades do you have a specific ritual or routine to start every day i'm up early so uh, typically i'm up at uh, 4 30 in the morning and uh, i'm usually on the phone we have a, a lot of international buyers that we look after and people coming into the country. So that's a good time. And generally speaking, uh, we're talking to the overseas markets and London and New York typically, and um, they're big markets for expats coming back into Australia. And we look after them, we help them with their move and we help them uh, introduce them into the community and whatever they need, whether it's a bank or doctors, lawyers, getting them into schools. And, uh, you know, it's a really big process for them, it's very stressful, and we try to take the stress out of out of that process for them. And um, so we're constantly communicating. Before COVID, we would visit London, New York, Singapore, and Hong Kong, and now Beijing, Guangzhou, and Shenzhen, probably six times a year. We've been doing this now for a long time. It's, uh, we started um, about 30 years ago, and it was uh, only a couple of us, and now we take a whole team. So last time we went to Singapore, I think there might have been eight of us. So you know. It's a lot of work. Uh, we start early and finish late and um, seeing a lot of people and helping them uh, move uh, into Australia, which is fantastic. I see the New York backdrop behind you. I'm assuming that's a Zoom backdrop, not a real backdrop. But look, I'm not going to let you skip over that. You get up at 4.30am. Do you do that Monday to Friday or do you do that seven days a week? Is that just something your body clock has got you to wake up that early? And, and also, what time do you go to bed? Oh, no, I'm, I'm early to bed, so I'm in bed by sort of uh, 10 o'clock, 10.30 at the latest, and I sleep very well. And then um, I'm up early, I make my calls, and I like to read. So I find in the morning it's quiet, and uh, I can catch up on a lot of reading. I enjoy reading, and uh, I don't read anything in particular. I might read something on business, or I might read something on about a person, or I might read something on uh, that is a medical uh, article on a particular you know topic. However, I enjoy reading. Uh, I never used to, but uh, in the last 10 years, I'd say that um, I've really fallen in love with um, just really arming myself with more knowledge. 
And you're a passionate man. Before we get on to passion outside real estate, your backstory. So you grew up in Melbourne. I believe your parents had a fish business. Yeah, we were in the fish business. So my father arrived here in, in 1927 uh, from Greece and started uh, in 1938 a small fish business. And, you know, he grew that and he worked hard. He was up early. He was uh, an early riser. So he was a bit earlier than me. He was up at, you know, sort of three o'clock most mornings and going into the markets or going and checking on his uh, fish boats and uh, his trawlers and making sure that everything was uh, was fine. So the work ethic uh, has always remained with me. And um, he was very hardworking or very calm. He was a very calm man and that was a very appealing uh, trait. Unfortunately, he died early. I was only 12 when he passed and my mother took over the business and she did it, you know, she was a dynamo. So really my grandmother and my mother brought me up and they instilled those, that very, very focused, hardworking. And, um, you know, I was incredibly lucky and, and um, very proud of both my grandmother and mother and how they, you know, conducted their lives and built their lives and how passionate they were about their interests, not just in business, but uh, philanthropy and other things that they were involved with. And, and Anna, we've had some beautiful stories on this podcast come through, especially from migrant workers, second, third generation kids, know nothing else than working hard, being passionate, making the most of every day. So there's some real threads coming through this. Now, with a background like May, an Irish Catholic background, <laughs> it's a, I might have to go back on the genetic line and say, come on, like instill a little bit more hard work in me. You've got the names like Marenkovic and Savas and some of the other amazing people we've interviewed on this have come you know, from first or second generation migrant workers. Well, I think um, this country is an incredible country and I thank my, you know, lucky stars every day because there isn't a better country to be in. That's hand on heart. Uh, I've travelled the world. I've been lucky to travel the world with business. And every time I get back on that Qantas flight coming home and I can't wait to get back home, I've got to say that I think that, you know, Melbourne as a city is a fantastic city. I think we've proven that we could get through anything. Don't forget this COVID, it's a one in a hundred year event. We've never seen anything like it in our lifetimes and the way we've conducted ourselves and the way we've handled this pandemic has been extraordinary. And we're looking at other countries now with, you know, 45,000, 70,000, you know, daily rates. Uh, I think um, we've handled it extraordinarily well and I'm very proud to be an Australian. I'm very proud that my father decided to settle here and, um, you know, I just thank my lucky stars. I mentioned it in the introduction quickly, but you still have a copy of the BRW magazine, I believe, that inspired <laughs> you to get into real yeah, estate. Would well, you like to well, expand on that story? How did a young boy with the Greek parents who started a fish business end up running one of Australia's biggest real estate businesses? Well, I was very lucky. I was uh, I was reading the BRW. It was the first one that came out and I was very young and and, um, Which 15-year-old reads BRW? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I got told by an executive client, I was his personal trainer, and this happened when I was 21. He said, oh, I want you to go and read the AFR. I said, oh, where do I find that? So you were years ahead knowing what BRW was at 15. I loved the BRW and uh, it was uh, incredible. Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw that three quarters of the wealth was built on property and and I felt that um, it's something that I really wanted to learn about. And, you know, I immediately decided at that moment that I wanted to get into real estate. So it was easy for me. It wasn't a difficult decision. And, and I love people and I love, you know, creating relationships and friendships. And we're fortunate. Uh, we've built some incredible relationships around the world and friends. And I call them some, uh, you know, like family. And they always insist, come and stay at the house, come and stay at the house. And come and stay with us. Don't stay in a hotel. Be with us. You know, we've known you for so long. You're part of the family. It's beautiful. And what an opportunity to build these special relationships where in a lot of instances, we've come and we've dealt with them and we've dealt with their children. And now we're dealing with their grandchildren. And it's such a, a beautiful way of doing business and looking after people. And that's what we're really doing. We're looking after people. And, and I think if you're passionate about looking after people, if you're passionate about relationships, if you're passionate about being the best and going over and above and beyond, then it's easy. It's really easy. It's not work. It's a holiday. It's like, you know, every day is really amazing. So we're really, we're really fortunate at Cane Burton. 
You make it sound easy and passion sells, right? Your passion is contagious. But if you could say one or two things for our small business owner listeners that they could do to build better relationships, because some people it comes naturally, others maybe not as naturally. So if someone's listening to this and they find it hard to build some of those relationships, what would be a couple of key tips? So I think the world's built on great relationships. And when you have a relationship, you can call that other person and you can have a conversation and you can say, look, I know, uh, you know, we want to do this, but let's do this together and it will benefit both parties. It's You have a much deeper understanding of one another and, you know, you understand you also your differences as well. So it makes it a lot easier. For me, it's all about relationships and whether you're in big business, small business or medium-sized business because if you look after each other and you look after each other with no expectation, it's not that I'm looking after you because I expect you somewhere down the track to look after me. That is not you do it with an open heart, you do it with an open mind, and you invest in that person and you invest in that relationship, it'll come back to you tenfold. It'll come back to you a hundredfold. It's a proven fact. Go back to old-fashioned values in this digitally fast world. I say, is a handwritten note more powerful today or was it 20 years ago? I think it's more powerful today because no one else is doing it. Oh, I love that. Go back to those old-fashioned values in this fast Absolutely. digital world. Yeah, Awesome. It's so important and and treat people like you wanted to be treated and go over and beyond and really help people. And whether that's, you know, if they want to go out and inspect properties, whether it's on a Sunday or early morning or late, or they just want advice or they want you to sit with them and talk about your knowledge that they've accumulated, that's what you should be doing. And without expectation though, do it because you want to do it, do it because you want to help them, do it because you want to help their kids. And you get so much enjoyment and so much satisfaction out of it. It's another message that continues to bubble out of these conversations that Anna and I are blessed to have is that you focus on the relationship, focus on the service, focus on doing the right thing. The money flows. Whereas I think a lot of business owners, especially when we start, we're so focused on revenue and hitting those targets and you sometimes burn relationships doing that. So again, really, really good to focus on the relationship. Now, have you got a good memory or is there a system? So you've got a massive database or is it a combination of the two? It really is a combination of the two. And I've got to say, look, these um, databases are all great and they're fantastic. And you know, you can have the latest CRM, but if you're not wanting to communicate and if you're not wanting to pick up the phone and if you're not really interested it won't come through as authentic but if you're really interested in those people and if you're really interested in in getting to know them and building a relationship it'll come through and it'll just happen naturally and you want to pick up the phone and you say hey you know i haven't spoken to you for a while i miss you but how's everyone and how's the family and how the kids going and and you're really interested and you're interested in their well-being and you're interested in wanting to help them grow and develop even further. I know Arna's got some specific questions on small business and even crystal ball gazing as we move ahead. But before Arna asks that, I want one more question on you, on Ross okay. Savas, the man, the individual. We're at a dinner party and we've spoken about you know, real estate and Jane and Jim or Mark and Steve's house and you've had all the pre-talk. We've finished talking about real estate. What's next? What excites you? Well, I think uh, more and more as I grow old and hopefully uh, get more experience in life, I think creating that balance of, and when I say balance, I mean investing in yourself. And maybe that's, you know, in the last 10 years, um, my learnings and my growing and growing my knowledge pool. And it's just not about business, it's about health and well-being. It's about mental health. It's about just general knowledge. Um, I went to Harvard and I did the negotiation course there and I loved it. I actually never, I didn't want to leave. So for me, I have a passion on keeping fit, keeping well. However, I also have a passion in art, but my real passion is really building relationships and getting to know people. And I absolutely love that. Travel, because I travel a lot and all the time, I love to travel and I love exploring different cities and getting to know people within their own environment and uh, sitting down and um, having a meal with them and really finding out a lot more about their story and a lot more about them and why they've succeeded and what makes them the people they are today. So I have a real interest in people. I have a real interest in traveling and I have a real interest in art. And on the health topic, 
there's a lot of new science, new frontiers actually showing we can reverse aging. A lot of the work that David Sinclair, who's a Harvard professor in their medical school, and you're nodding so you're familiar with his work. Do you have a number that you'd like to get to? Like I've got a, a number. My son told me, oh, Dad, you're so enthusiastic. This is what my nine-year-old said because he heard me in a radio interview say, oh, I would like to get to 130 years of age, but not just long. It's health span plus lifespan. Do you have an idea on that? Yeah, yeah, I do. And it's not about lifespan. It's about health span. And really, uh, you meet so many people who elderly who are so mobile and they're so fit and they're so with it. And in actual fact, they're younger than some of the people that are much younger than them. And they have an open mind and they're not closed. For me, that's what excites me. That's what intrigues me. I don't want to get to an age where I can't do things and I'm confined to you know, a chair or to bed because I haven't done the right things leading up to you know, a particular event or what's happened. And I think to me, it's all about lifespan and it's all about you know, surrounding yourself uh, with, uh, with, you know, people with high energy, high passion, and people that are positive and looking at the glass half full, not half empty. With your contagious energy, with your enthusiasm, and with your growth mindset, I'm going to pencil you in to 120 to 130 as well. Well, as long as I'm still there, and I'm still lucent, and I can still add value. And, you know, I think I want to be able to do the things that I want to still do rather than to be, you know, confined. So for me, I want to be active. And, you know, people talk about retirement. I never want to retire. I think that's, it's not for me. And I love what I do. And I just love our people. We have the best people in the industry. Where, and I have great partners. They make me better every day. They add to our tapestry of life. And it's so beautiful. Thank you, Ross. Let's talk COVID and small business, perhaps not as uplifting a topic to talk about pandemic, but incredibly topical in the environment and ecosystem that we currently face. We know how intensely COVID has impacted across pretty much every business in the country, but there are some businesses that led themselves um, more easily to adapt online, uh, you know, buying clothes or uh, buying uh, things that can be delivered to your house. But real estate is, on the other hand, is a little bit different, isn't it? And um, you kind of typically think that it requires a bit of in-person time, this is not always the case these days. So can you tell us about how do you buy or sell a house during COVID and post-COVID world? Well, firstly, it was interesting because we had set ourselves up to be able to work from anywhere in the world. And that was just good luck. And that's all we, we were very fortunate to be able to do that. So when it hit, I was uh, incredibly concerned about our revenues. I was incredibly concerned about the future. I was incredibly concerned about, is this going to be an economic Pearl Harbor event? And um, I have to say that um, we were very fortunate that we've been building this international database for the last uh, three decades, and we've invested in the relationships. So when people were thinking of moving and we were saying, look, there is a property that's coming up. This is what it's like. Let me send you some photos. Let me send you a walkthrough film. And we were developing with our film partner, Syrup, these walkthrough films. I'll tell you what was most effective, trust. They trusted us. They put their faith in us to deliver them the right outcome and the right time. So we sold several homes, science-seeing national markets, and we were very fortunate. However, it's not every day you do that. You might do that once a week. You might do that once every two weeks. What really counted was the ability to talk to buyers locally and say, it's a limited amount. I can get you through this house on this day because it was, we had one-on-one -on -one inspections back then and we were allowed to get people through. And although we sent them you know, 90% of the information, they wandered through and we were able to transact. It was a really, really big deal that we were able to still conduct inspections, admittedly one-on-one, -on -one, and uh, we would take one person through and then we'd take, the, you know, perhaps the husband or the wife through and then the children. So we were able to do that and that opened up for us. Otherwise, we would have been closed down. Obviously, we have our property management business that, that the revenues were still coming through. They were still under pressure because there were people who unfortunately had been stood down or 
uh, or losing their jobs entirely, and they were under distress as well. We had to manage all that, and it was very stressful for our team and for our people who did an incredible job. And they were stressed, the clients were stressed, and we just had to manage it through, keep everyone calm, find solutions and quickly, and really build on that trust that we'd been building on for the last three decades, and people would say, we're in your hands, we'll take your advice. I agree. And we all got through this by working together, but without the trust, without the relationship, it would have been a lot, lot harder. Absolutely, Ross, and everything you say really resonates strongly, not just, I suppose, for the real estate industry, but even, you know, much more broadly. But um, I do want to ask you a question that uh, no doubt you get asked all the time. So here it is. What is going to happen with the property market in Australia? So I'm very big on property in Australia. Property is the backbone of this country and to have your own home is the Australian dream and it will remain the Australian dream for a long time. I see great opportunity for many decades to come, many decades to come. People will come, want to come and visit and stay in Australia from all over the world and look at our country and look at the amazing lifestyle it offers, look at the amazing medical uh, it offers, look at the amazing education it offers, look at our beaches. I mean, I can drive from Melbourne and in one hour I can be down at Flinders in the Mornington Peninsula, which is incredible. So we have so much to offer the world and the world will be coming to Australia and New Zealand, but to Australia in particular. I think immigration is going to, when they can, they'll come. But don't forget a lot of expats are moving out of, you know, big cities like New York and London and Hong Kong and Singapore and they're coming back here. They want to settle their families. We've handled this pandemic really well and it's really all about health number one because you can have as much wealth as you like, but if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. So health has become priority number one, which I think is a great thing. We've been able to get through this pandemic and think about what are the important things? Because sometimes you're on that treadmill and you're running and you're running and you're running and you don't stop to think what are really the important things. How do I create a more balanced lifestyle to invest in myself and invest in your health? And I think this has created a set and reset button in all of us thinking, well, you know what? Health is number one. I've got to look after myself. I've got to look after my family. I've got to look after my friends. And obviously, you've got to look after your team. And these have become evident. And we've all ringing and saying, you know, are you okay? How was your day? You know, how's the family? You know, do you need anything? Do you want to go for a walk? Can I help? And I think we've come together as a race. And I see people walking and, you know, in the streets, and, you know, saying good morning and how are you and, you know, I hope you have a good day. It's so beautiful to see. And I think that is basically the Australian way. And the Australian dream is all about property. You see, someone that I really respect sent me a message saying, in your race, to get back to normal, think twice about which aspects of normal you actually want to go back to. But Russ, for a lot of people, I mean, that's an undisputed fact, at the moment, their financial well-being is a serious concern, right? And as a business owner, as someone that has um, a significant accountability and responsibility for a large number of people that you also employ, what would you say to those people that are very concerned about what the next month or the next year brings from a financial well-being perspective? Okay, well... I think it's going to be choppy, no doubt. I think property will be resilient. We're in a real trade environment. Actually, we've never had interest rates this low, ever. So historically, we're at the lowest ebb. Interest rates will help people get through it. Banks like the National Australia Bank, who've done a phenomenal job in ringing, in supporting their clients, it's been phenomenal. And I think together we'll get through it. Yes, will there be stress? Definitely, there'll be stress. But we'll get through it and we'll come out of it and we'll come out of it better, stronger, in my opinion, with a lot more knowledge of what's right, what's wrong and what we should be doing, you know, for the future. And I mentioned before about old-fashioned values. I think that in Greece, the community looks after itself in the village and, they, you know, they go to the, you know, to the square in the afternoon and they all talk and have coffee. And, and I think 
we've become a little village in a lot of ways, Melbourne, and we are all looking after each other and helping each other and wanting to assist one another. And I think if we can go back to those old-fashioned values that this country was built on, I think we're going to be much better off because we've set that reset button and we're now focusing on what's important, the real important stuff. And we shouldn't be sweating the small stuff. We should be only be focusing on what is really important to us, which is health, family, friends. They're the important things, really. Everything else we'll get through. We'll absolutely get through. And this country's got an incredible future. And the government's done an incredible job, absolutely incredible job. And as I say, I wake up every morning and I'm so proud that I'm an Australian and I'm so proud to be in this country. And we will get through this as we've gotten through other difficulties in time. And um, this is the greatest difficulty that we've seen since, you know, the Great Depression. Hi, we hope you have been enjoying this podcast so far. Don't forget that we have plenty more podcasts and content just like this on NAB Business Fit. Go to www.nab.com.au forward slash business fit for more content to support your physical and psychological well-being and to help you take care of business. It's good to see that someone like yourself, Ross, is actually so motivated uh, by the future ahead and is, as you said, uh, quite optimistic acknowledging the bumpy road ahead, but still a lot to look forward to. So here is a really pointed question to you. How do you engage with small businesses that um, are in your ecosystem and how do you support them? Fantastic. Great question. So we engage with small business all the time and people come to us and, and ask us our opinion or advice and what we should do and how they should build their portfolio or what they should be investing in. Should they be investing in residential? Should they be investing in commercial? And everyone's different. And what's the future? And I've been very big on collecting real estate. You know, and you can do this over a long time. You don't have to do it all in in 10 years. My advice to them has been property acquisition, do it in bite size, do it slowly, do it over time, do what you can afford, be conservative, there's a balance between, you know, putting in too much cash and not borrowing enough. So there's a balance. You've got to balance that out. So put in your large amount of cash that you want to put in and borrow the rest from your bank, your preferred lender, and build your portfolio over time. And when you look back, you won't realize how much the property has been worth because you're buying, you know, properties 30 years ago at $150,000 and now they're worth $1.5 million. I mean, it, it's quite a phenomenal investment and it's an investment made over long periods of time. So our advice has been always to go slow, to be conservative, but to invest and, and use your money to help your money work for you. You can absolutely, what you become is become a landlord because you rent it out and when you get to a stage, you'll buy another property, you'll rent that out and you'll accumulate over time. And don't forget. Today, your house is tax-free. So every time you move and you make a gain, it's a tax-free asset. And, you know, that's a very big thing. Thank you, Ross. Over to you, Andrew. Ross, have you seen the movie Jerry Maguire with I have. Tom Cruise? I have seen There's a great scene, or a couple of great scenes in there where Tom Cruise or Jerry Maguire goes back to his mentor, the late, great Dickie Fox. Remember that? And Dickie Fox used to say, you wake up, clap your hands, and you set a goal for the day. You're reminding me of an Australian version of Dickie Fox with your enthusiasm and your motivation and your upbeat attitude. So I've got a question for you. Sure. Do you ever have down days? Like, do you ever have days where your attitude stinks, you feel flat and it just all becomes too much? Yeah, I had a down day on Saturday, actually. And uh, it was uh, very cold, wet, windy and grey in Melbourne. And um, I uh, actually did some appointments and I could feel myself slipping into that uh, grey zone and I came home, sat on the couch and quite frankly, I don't watch a lot of television and I just sat there and um, I thought to myself, why am I feeling like this? What is it? And I think what I concluded was I don't like that, you know, that very grey, rainy, windy days that are cold. And I concluded that, you know, I was feeling tired. I was feeling fatigued. I was feeling that uh, I needed it a bit of a rest. 
So in the afternoon, I watched a little bit of television. I watched this series called Yellowstone with... Uh, oh, how good is it? Kevin Costa. I've just got into it. It is highly addictive. Absolutely. And, but I had a sleep and it was only a 90-minute sleep. But, you know, I, um, I woke up and I felt so much better. And I think sometimes you need to put the brakes on and have that extra rest and just have some time to yourself because we do go, 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 go. And we're constantly on Zoom calls or Microsoft team calls or on phone calls. And um, sometimes you forget and uh, you end up being tired and uh, you keep going and then you get fatigued and then you try to uh, do some exercise and uh, that uh, helps but also tires you more. So it's important to rest. And one thing that I've, I've worked out, when I need some rest, I need to take it because if I don't take it, I get into that, what I call in that grey zone, which is not a good zone to be in. But certainly you do have those days and I have those days, And um, but I get through it by focusing on the positives, focusing on and being grateful, gratitude. I think we all got to have incredible gratitude to where we are, what we've got and what we've, we've achieved. And, you know, we've got our health and, uh, you know, you've got everything. And you've got a good self-awareness around that as well. We know when you're self-aware, one thing, but regulating is another. So you've obviously learned over the years to listen to those feelings, to feel the body, the mindset. Maybe you're not as sharp as you normally are. Is that something that's come with time or did you have that from a young age as well? No, look, I think it came with time, definitely came with time. I mean, I would run myself into the ground as a young man. I can tell you uh, there's been you know many times uh, where I, I have and I just kept working. And you know, there's a famous uh, story where I, I trained myself to sleep uh, only sort of two or three hours a night and that caused me some real heart issues, uh, real issues with um, my physical uh, well-being. And you need sleep. Your body needs sleep. It's so important to have sleep and so important to have rest. And I recognise that after those events and I've never looked back since. I want to pull on that thread a little bit more. First of all, did you read about Margaret Thatcher, Alan Jones, surviving on three or four hours, an entrepreneur? What prompted in your mind to think, I am going to train myself? And I will underscore, I'm an exercise physiologist and uh, most people need between sort of six and a half to eight and a half or nine hours. And most people, most who sleep for two or three hours get really sick. But what brought on that idea to do that to start? Well, I love what I do so much and I was communicating so much with the international market. We're in the real stage of building our international relationship, uh, you know, or curating those relationships and, and really investing in them and investing in people and families. And it's addictive. And uh, I thought, look, imagine if I could sleep less, I could do more. How fantastic is that? So uh, I thought to myself, well, I've got great discipline. I've got great focus. I'll do it. I'll just do it. So I, you work up to it. But I woke up to it and then I did it for a while and it did, didn't work out. How long did you go for, for two to three hours? Uh, probably uh, uh, the last, the third year was, you know, I hit a wall. I mean, uh, when I say hit a wall, I hit a pretty pretty bad wall. My heartbeat was going um, upwards, uh, you know, sort of touching uh, times, 300 beats a minute, and we didn't know why. And I was taking it to hospital uh, one year six times in an ambulance. Wow. So it was it was not good. And um, I did a sleep. The professor at uh, Epworth Hospital wouldn't allow me to leave. And he, I walked into his uh, office. They made me uh, go and see him immediately. And he was looking at me and I said, is there something wrong? And he said, I think you should sit down. And he said, um, you were on your BlackBerry all night. I said, oh, yeah, I was uh, working. And he said, you slept two, two hours? I said, yeah, yeah, no problem. He said, well, I need to chat to you because it is a problem and you're going to die. And if you don't change your ways, you will drop dead, I will guarantee you. And that's pretty, that's pretty severe. I mean, that's really severe. And, um, you know, I've had a couple of really bad health scares like that and um, they're very confronting. And uh, I had another one. When I was about uh, a few years ago, uh, 48, and um, that was um, that was uh, pretty bad. And uh, so, uh, you know, I had to have a, an operation and have a tumour removed, and uh, it was very confronting. I got out of hospital and I thought, well, you know, I'm right, I can do this. And so I went straight back to work, which is the wrong thing to do. And 
unfortunately, I then had um, some very severe hemorrhaging, which I then had to lie flat for the next two weeks in bed and not move because um, I already had two weeks in hospital, so I needed to lie flat. And um, so I was very lucky. I dodged an incredible bullet and um, my doctor saved my life. And without that surgery and the the immediacy of the surgery, so by the time they found the tumour, I was operated uh, within 24 hours I was operated on. And uh, basically, uh, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't that quick. I could hear the quiver in your voice when you're explaining that, and I could see the change in your posture and physicality so that obviously still conjures emotion in you and and, we know this from psychological research but you forget the research just personal experience the biggest challenges in our lives the toughest times is when we get the biggest lessons you know when you're sailing along five ten years double digit growth business is awesome no economic hard times no physical challenges no relationship challenges it gets a bit easy but when you look back, just sort of piecing together the timeline, 12 years of age, losing your father, that's a huge, huge thing for a young boy to process. We had, um, that was, uh, he was my hero. He was my best friend. He was my sporting pal. And it was tough, really tough. And uh, I had an incredible mother and an incredible grandmother. I mean, they're just incredible people. And uh, really, um, showed me the right road, helped me through difficult times. I think that uh, we had a massive car accident when I was 14. Unfortunately, my my aunt um, died in the car. I was a passenger. And uh, seeing her die at 14 after losing my father, my uncle was incredibly severely damaged and uh, spent months and months and months in hospital having operation after operation. It was... Uh, such a difficult time and um, I think you take those times and you think you know oh my god and you cling on to your life and you are so thankful and grateful that you got through those times because it could have worked out badly and but it taught me resilience it taught me to get through taught me to push through and I can tell you there were many nights I used to take my dog for a walk and say could have been me in that car. I was sitting in the front seat and we had a head-on collision. I mean, it was a miracle that I survived and and I survived basically without a scratch, basically. Of course, there were injuries, but, you know, it could have been horrendous. And um, so I think those are the lessons. And doing martial arts after that taught me about discipline, taught me about focus, taught me about what your body can do if you train it. And then I started training, you know, my mind and focusing my mind and not giving up and going through different, you know, pain thresholds. And uh, it was really interesting to push through. And, you know, there's a famous speech where a Navy SEAL talks about the Navy SEAL training and the 10 lessons, you know. I mean, it's incredible. And, yeah, I mean, it's just incredible. And I think, I think we as Australians are resilient people. We are great people. And we help our neighbour, you know, we, we have a farm and going down, you know, we'd walk to the neighbour. When I say walk, you know, the neighbour's quite far away and we'd go and get some flour or some sugar if we ran out and we'd go back up. I mean, it was just those values, those beautiful values of helping each other have stayed with me forever. And I hope that I can pass it on to everyone that, you know, I touch and meet because those are the values that will get us through the, these difficult times and difficult moments. And being in that hospital room for two weeks was really difficult and uh, was scary and it was confronting. And however, I, I am here and I'm very grateful that I'm here and I'm well and um, I can influence discussion and uh, help people and um add to their life and uh, to their fabric of their life and help their children and their grandchildren. And I'm blessed to have that. I'm really blessed to have that. I feel so thankful. And I'm meeting great people. And I mean, you know, we talk about the NAB and I've got to talk about uh, the incredible people within the organisation and new CEO now called uh, Ross McEwen. And I mean, I'm probably driving crazy, but there's times that I just ring him and say, you know, I've got this, uh, what do you think of this? Or what do you think of that? And he's become an incredible mentor to me. And, you know, I've had great mentors before and 
great people who have helped me throughout my life. I'm absolutely blessed uh, to have these people who have guided me. And um, But, you know, my mother, who's unwell and um, confronting to see her so unwell these days, she's been my beacon and my, my strength. I had some more questions on mindset. You've answered them in a beautiful, authentic way. So can I just just take a pause point and say thank you for being so authentic. I could hear your voice uh, sharing that. I can hear the emotion when you're talking about the your father at 12, the car accident at 14, uh, the tumour at 48. I imagine the, the sleep was not long before that. I'm sure you've had some other ups and downs. But for people listening to this, it, it is sometimes easy to look at someone like Ross Savas and you know, read the press and he lives a different life to us and you know, he hasn't had any hardship and, oh, no, let, let me start. No, don't even get me started on your background as well, you know, your, your story. And we, we're interviewing Anna in a couple of episodes. She doesn't know this yet, so she's agreeing to me live now. But, Ross, I think it's really important that people do hear that, they do see that, those watching the video. You can see the emotion, you can hear the emotion, you can feel the emotion because it, it tells us life is a series of roller coasters, ups and downs. But credit to you for reflecting on some of those, those really hard times and fueling that because it would have been quite easy, I think, to go the opposite way, right, to get into a downward spiral. We talk about broaden and build theory. We broaden and build positive emotions, but when you've got negative emotions, it can spiral you right down. Yeah, look, I think I think I had some really dark days, I have to tell you. And what got me through was my sheer belief that I'm going to make it. I'm going to keep walking that mountain. I'm going to walk. I'm going to get to the top of the mountain. And it doesn't matter. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to look back. I'm going to keep walking. And there's some really dark days. And, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, I would be misleading myself and you if I didn't say that. And, um, you know, I think that there obviously there have been some amazing times and amazing deals that we've been involved with and amazing transactions and meeting some incredible people throughout the world who now we call friends who are captains of industry. But apart from all that, there has been times, difficult times, where you don't want to, you know, you think to yourself, how am I going to face, you know, the world today? What am I going to do? Am I going to, you know, get through this? And you do. You put one foot in front of the other and you climb that mountain and you climb and you believe in yourself and you believe in your family and friends are going to be there for you and you keep climbing and you don't look back. And for me, it's all about community. It's all about family. It's all about friendship. And, you know, I talk about the Cain Burton family. Let me tell you, they're amazing, not me. They're the ones. They're incredible and uh, we're lucky. We're lucky we've got them because without them, there wouldn't be a Cambridge. It's not me, it's them. I'm just, you know, there to help them and to help them grow and develop. They're the ones that make the magic. They're the ones that invest their lives in helping other people. It's incredible. And people don't realise that how amazing these people are and how selfless they are. They're selfless. And, you know, it starts from when you hire someone, they've got to do it with their heart. It's not about the transaction for us. That's nothing. It's about the relationship and it's about the people and it's about looking after people forever, not for one year or two years or three years, it's forever. And if you don't have that attitude, then you're not for us because this is a really, really important part of life. And we only want the people who really care and who are really passionate about people and about our business that's been going since 1938. And let me tell you, my father back in the 50s, if it wasn't for the NAB, to help him through a difficult time or difficult moment. And that bank manager that he met, I don't know where we would be. And, you know, what do they say? The harder you work, the luckier you get. Well, I think, you know, you meet certain people in your life that add a lot of value to you. And those old-fashioned people with the old-fashioned values who were selfless and they helped people because they wanted to help people and they wanted to help you build a business. And we were a developing country back then. And we were developing 
and look where we are today. And I think we're making incredible leaps and bounds in into technology and into education. And you know, hopefully, we will leave this country when we leave this earth to a much better place for our children, for our grandchildren, and for many generations to come. Because it is an amazing place. What are you most proud of? Mm, wow, I think um, uh, creating a family. I think my proudest moments in life is where I've been able to help someone in need and see them go on from a dark time or a dark moment or a difficult moment and see them go on and grow and develop, whether that's on a personal front, on a family front or on a business front. It doesn't matter because you build these relationships and people come to you for all sorts of advice. It's just not real estate advice. They come to you and they come to you sometimes for personal advice or for other advice. And if you can add value to that person, and if you can help them through that moment, that moment in time that they need that that assistance, I think that's fantastic. You know, adding value to people and helping them through those moments. And we all have those moments. I know Anna has a question on future moments. Sure. Well, Russ, I'm not sure whether you have a set of tarot cards, but if you did, I would imagine uh, we are laying them out on the purple velvet material covered type table. So what's next for Kay Burton? Okay, so uh, we would still uh, like to grow and um, I think we've got um, some vision in the future to perhaps grow interstate and look at also regional markets where we believe we can add value with our clients and what we can do for them. And uh, we would certainly like to grow and develop I think the most important thing is to keep developing our people and investing in our people. I said previously that um, I'd done the leadership negotiation course at Harvard. I'd love for all of them to go and do that. I mean, it was an incredible course and uh, I met some amazing people and just the experience of being at Harvard was just mind-blowing. And um, I'd like to see them grow and develop even further as people. And, you know, um, there was a a chap who... um, when I was a young man, said to me, um, you know, there's a cost if you want to be a sportsman or if you want to be an elite business person. And I took that literally and, um, you know, I was working, you know, all the time and I just knew one speed. And, and then I met a, a chap called Alan Schwartz and he said to me, how about just being an elite human being? And he blew me away because I think that changes everything, being an elite human being. And I think that's what it's all about. And if we can all help each other grow and develop even further, for me, the next step for Cain Burton is, yes, to grow, but to grow and develop our people and to expand into other markets, boutique markets, regional markets, that we can add value to not only to us ourselves, but obviously to the community. And, you know, that's very important to us, to add value to the community that we live among. And, Russ, after everything that you've done, achieved, been to, experienced, what's next for you personally? So for me, um, I want to keep developing myself. I'm only getting started. I I think this is just the beginning. I think, uh, you know, it's true. This is just the beginning. I I feel that uh, I have so much to learn. I have so much to really grow and develop and keep adding value, not only to family and friends and Kane Burden, but to everyone that I come across and touch. And I think that there is so much to do. And I'm I'm fear I fear that I'm going to run out of time and I won't get it done. But you know, I, I love what I do. I'm very passionate about it. And I want to keep growing and developing my knowledge and parting that to people that want to learn and we can have that exchange. And I love learning and learn you know, you and I have had some amazing conversation where you've you have taught me so much in one conversation. And, you know, I love to learn. And for me, it's all about learning and developing and becoming better and becoming a better person. That's what it's about. And then taking those skills and adding value to people. I think I already know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there a particular quote, a poem, a book, a thing that you draw inspiration from? Or is it it is more macro. Look, I've answered the question already. We've had an hour with you, but I'll let you answer the question. Sure. Um, I think health is wealth. I think that's what life has taught me, health is wealth. And having good friends, 
great family. I think that's what it's about. I think that's what we all live for. And when I say family, I mean, the people I work with are my family. It's the Canberra family. And, you know, people talk about clients. I talk about friends and family. But, you know, I've known some of these people 30 plus years and uh, some of them I've known longer and they are part of our family. And I think um, we're so lucky and I'm so lucky to be able to have my health. I'm so lucky to be able to, you know, do what I, I love doing every day. What a blessing. And I wouldn't change it for anything. And I get up every morning and I get up early and, and I love it and it's quiet and I'm, you know, I make my calls or I read and, you know, I'm inspired by hearing about, you know, stories about people and their story and it's so inspiring. And, you know, this has been a difficult time, COVID, and it's just brought some amazing people out and leadership out and it's been quite interesting watching how people have, have grown through this process and have become you know, better versions of themselves. I do have a question for you on mentoring because uh, like a lot of people in small business, they think, oh, I'm too busy or I can't go get a mentor. What would your advice be to a small business owner, whether they've just started or like listening to you today, you're just getting started, right? Absolutely. We're always getting started with the growth mindset. What would your advice be on A, getting a mentor and B, how to seek a mentor? So every Olympic athlete has a coach. So we should have a mentor. And I think um, even if it's just to catch up once a month for a couple of hours and, and talk about life or talk about what's worrying you or talk about what you want to do or where you want to go and, and that person gives you some guidance on uh, giving you a balanced view perhaps or to ask you to consider the other side or have you considered this or considered that. I think choosing a mentor is very important, someone that you've got to connect with someone that you have, uh, you know, a deep feeling, deep pathos for. And that way, I believe it's all about the connection with that person because if you're connected, they will feel you and you will feel them and be able to add value to you and you'll be able to take that value and build upon it. And that's what it's about. They have to understand you. So this is important. And, you know, I believe in active listening and um, I've done a lot of talking uh, during this program, but I believe in acting and listening. And active listening is not waiting for you to stop talking and then I speak. That means I listen intently. I consider what you said and then I reply. And that's what a good mentor will do. So what a good salesperson does too, right? Active listening is, uh, we learned that in coaching psychology. You know, when you're coaching, you've got two ears, one mouth, and it's often taught that's the balance you should have. So you know, you're a very good listener, very good salesperson, very humble. And we've asked you a lot of questions today. But is there a final question you would like Anna or I to ask you? Or would you like to flip it? Is there a question you'd like to ask us? Sure. I think uh, what I'd like to ask you, 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 you've created uh, you know, so much in a short period of time in your life and you've done so many amazing things. What's one moment in your life that there was a light bulb moment for you? That is a question for me, is it? Yeah. <laughs> one life. Well, I think the night that my parents handed me over uh, when I was 12 years old on a border between Serbia and Hungary and um, during the Balkan Wars and said, do not squander the chance that God has given you for a better life. I mean, yeah, you might be 12 years old, but you kind of, it is a light bulb moment because it ends up being both a burden and a blessing in terms of guiding you through life and ensuring that, you know, when there is time to make difficult decisions, you do tend to make the right ones. So I'd say that's something that has stayed with me and that has provided a point of reference around not wasting opportunities, working hard, doing the best that you can and um, being the best human being that you also can possibly be. It's an incredible story and I can't wait for you to tell it um, because, uh, you know, that is a light bulb moment. That is a, that is a moment where it takes my breath away just hearing about it and, you know, all power, all credit to you. You're an incredible human being. And it's an honour and a pleasure that I that I can call you my friend. So thank you. You might be able to join us in that interview. I might have a, 
bit of twisting that uh, okay. I'm not joking. And for you, what was that light bulb moment for you? Yeah, I was just thinking like listening to both of your stories and there is a thread through this and it's, we learn most from adversity. I was 35. Uh, my first daughter hadn't been born yet and I was diagnosed with a melanoma on my left shoulder and I had an excision. I had lymph nodes removed. I, my arm was numb for the next 18 to 20 months and I wasn't sure whether I was going to get that movement back. But that wasn't the light bulb moment as much as a, a beautiful man in Tasmania. I was down there running the Tasmanian Institute of Sport, decent, so the AISD centralised and my coach went to Hobart. We all followed down there and set up camp. And my masseur, but he was more like a spiritual father, an amazing man named Bruce Eaton. And Bruce didn't just teach us about recovery, but about life. Like we were young, 21, 22, 23-year-old men and hadn't had much life experience. And Bruce taught us so much, not just about sport, but about life. So he was a real father figure. He was diagnosed with a melanoma two days after me on the opposite shoulder. His was half the size of mine. He died three months later. And when one of my best mates, Michael Raymond, and I went to go and say goodbye to Bruce, we didn't tell him we were going. We surprised him. And I'm getting the, the feeling that you had before, Ross, and I could hear in your voice, Anna, these moments touch us. And that moment that Mick and I had with Bruce, that was a surprise moment. And it's for a couple of hours on a rainy day in Hobart. That has taught me to, to work hard when I'm tired. That's taught me to make the most of every opportunity. Yeah, that's a defining moment of life. That's deep because, you know, you were both there at that time and how luck can play a part and and really you have your... It can go both ways, Ross. It can go both ways. Any of these things in life, right? And you've got to kind of acknowledge the fact that, you know, you've been, every one of us has been given another chance, right? And then what do you do with that chance? Absolutely. But I think I think they are defining moments, and I think you're right. We learn out of adversity. We learn out of those difficult times, and we learn out of, you know. And you're right, Anna. You can go left or you can go right. There's a right. There's a fork, right? And um, it's taught us to be resilient. And I think if there's anything we can teach our children or anyone, is to be resilient. And all power to both of you because at that moment you chose to be resilient and you chose to march on. And that's hard sometimes. It's hard. Look at you and your active listening, turning this around on us. We're meant to be the ones asking you questions and you've just shown a beautiful example of your craft. So if you're listening to this, go back and listen to what he just did then. Very clever, very genuine and very engaging. We could talk for hours. Unfortunately, we can't because these episodes can't go too long and I know you both have busy schedules. But if I can just do a... a a summary, the letter R is running around in my head and real estate is the last one. Yeah, It starts with relationships with you. It then comes with resetting your priorities and resetting old world values in a new digital world. I love that. It's about resilience. Oh, and by the way, what happened out of that? You built an okay real estate business. But I think there's a real lesson in that, that you love what you do. You have ups and downs. You love people. You seek mentors. You learn from those challenging times. You pick yourself up. And Rip Van Winkle became an overnight success in 20 years. So for anyone who thinks you know, click, drag, get a photo on Instagram, it's all going to be instantaneous. I think there's some really good lessons today. I think we've all taken, you know, many decades to be an overnight success and we continue to work on ourselves and others. And it's just not about us. It's about the people we surround ourselves with as well. So you know, these are the important lessons. So thank you very much to both of you. I feel uh, very touched and honoured that you've had me on your program. And if I can do anything ever for you or your families, I'm always here. So thank you. Thank you. Like a wholehearted thank you. I think you're going to help me interview Anna, but let's talk about that offline. And I'm not joking. Anna, I'd like to throw to you to take us out today. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, well, what have we heard from you today, Ross, is so inspiring and so motivating. Story of tradition, resilience, values, relationships, good old helping um, each other, building communities. And, you know, when I look at, you know, the future, I am feeling a little bit 
more positive and a little bit more inspired. And um, I suppose that's the value of these conversations. And I sincerely thank you on behalf of NAB and on behalf of our small business listeners listening who will hopefully be able to take uh, some uh, good nuggets of your advice and apply them in their own lives as well. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. And I'd like to honestly say this. NAB has been incredible and uh, throughout our I don't know, it's well over 60 years we've been uh, with NAB. Um, I'm very passionate about the people and the organisation and you guys do an incredible job and you've helped so many people through this trying time, through this difficult time and, you know, we should be thanking you. So all the very best. I wish you uh, health and happiness and uh, we'll speak soon. Hey, it's Andrew again, and we hope you enjoyed that interview. Just a quick note to remember to please go to nab.com.au slash businessfit. We hope you really liked this episode and received lots of value, and we would love it if you can go to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast and click on the subscribe button. We'd also really appreciate it if you share it with friends or colleagues you think might also benefit from these messages. And we'd really appreciate if you can rate and review it. We love seeing your messages and love seeing your ratings. Okay, that's it for this time. We look forward to connecting with you again on the next episode of NAB Business Fit.